Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Sheffield Vulcans podcast, aka Rock With Us, the podcast dedicated to IGR, rugby union and everything in between. My name's John Dickinson, I'm the comms and PR officer for the Sheffield Vulcans and I'm delighted to welcome back my co-host and fellow Vulcan, Nathan Murtar. Hi Nathan, how's your week been? It has been absolutely the same as the 25 million weeks before it, uh, as we enter <laughs> Uh, year six of lockdown. No, it's been fine. It's been, it's been quite enough. Uh, it's not been too bad, apart from the weekend when we were when the, the rugby was on. Not a lot to write home about. What about yourself, John? How are you keeping? Working from home, you know, standing nine to five, and then going out for walks where I can. I think uh, the highlight of my week is probably going shopping for beer. Um, and then um, the only things I've been doing really is just catching up on stuff on Amazon Prime. Any recommendations off this week? Yes, actually, um, on Amazon Prime. One of my childhood favourite films, The Monster Squad, is now available for everyone to watch. So if you've not seen that's the actually Squad, that's actually what um, what we call the Vulcans behind closed doors, isn't it? It is, but we want to keep that secret, right? <laughs> Some of us, at least. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so we're now in episode two, which is great because you know you you think back to like last week's episode. We spoke a bit about the history of the Sheffield Vulcans, a bit more about how we got involved with the club. And uh, we also spoke about the Six Nations of the first round. Brilliant stuff. Mm. Now, I've got a bit of a surprise uh, for our listeners. You know what, Nathan? What? We're not alone. What? We're not alone. That's right. What? If you listen to our previous episode, you will know that today marks the debut of our third co-host, Ladies and gentlemen, or however you identify, put your hands together for the man with the best beard on this planet, our friend and soon to be yours, Charlie PM. Hello, boys. How's it going? Hi, Charlie. Welcome to the pod. Hey, Charlie. All right. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. How are you boys doing? How's, how are you all keeping? Yeah, not too bad. <laughs> Struggling in there, getting on with it. Uh, but yeah, we're doing all right. It's, it's exciting to to finally get the three of us working working together on this. I know. Uh, I you mentioned a couple of times last week that we'd have you coming along. So it's great to finally have you, uh, not here, but d- d- down the line anyway. Yeah, fantastic. You know what? Um, ever since sort of John messaged me, was it was he probably a week and a half ago now, wasn't it? Um, sort of talking about just the possibility of doing this. I think I've been so excited. I almost feel like that sort of guy where you bring something to just gets way too overexcited and now you're at the point where you can't say no i'm like oh but i've got all these ideas and i've got i've got all these sort of things i want to talk about (laughs) (laughs) and now just fully integrated into uh into part of it and yeah just can't wait to get talking about it good we're glad to have you on board charlie you know you're a force of nature on the pitch and it's not just that but you back that up with some incredible knowledge especially off the pitch as well if there's any anyone who's been very supportive at least to myself who's very new to the sport needs to ask you a few questions about the plays you and along with other several members of the Vulcans as well we're talking about Chris we're talking about Felix we're talking mm-hmm. about Glenn um Innes um you know the list could go on even Andrea Andrea has been an absolute star as our coach yeah, she's now amazing. she is indeed and we hope that one day she'll want to uh, appear on this podcast actually uh, yes, so please. Andrew if you are listening we'll be knocking on your door soon <laughs> Pencil that one virtually <laughs> exactly so Charlie it's great to have you here last week you know very well that Nathan and I shared stories about how we discovered the Vulcans and we'd love to hear how you found the club so uh, do you want to tell us a bit more about that journey yeah massively so um in terms of a bit of context, like, you know, I played rugby, so like Nathan was saying before, you know, sort of through uh, youth levels all the way up to just before I left the university, didn't play too much over there, had a broken ankle and stuff. So when I wanted, came, when I started joining Vulcans, I hadn't played in about four years and um, similar sort of, you know, big time jump with it. And it was actually through um, Hallam Theatre Society, madly enough, um, because I was a member of it, as was Michael Hudson, who was our current president, um, or he was a member like a couple of years ahead of me, but basically sort of knew him through that, knew that he was involved with the guys that were in drama at the time. And I literally just saw in his profile picture on Facebook after we became friends that he was playing for a rugby team, which I presume was local. So I saw him uh, at a party back in October 2019. I sort of said to him, you're right, pal, um, I've noticed that <laughs> you obviously seem to play rugby based on your profile picture. Anything any uh any kind of information about where you're playing and is there any opportunity to join told me all about what Vulcans was it was the first time I'd ever heard about IGR I didn't know it existed before but I just thought about just for me personally um you know I've got uh, members of my family right uh sorry LGBT I grew up with uh with my mum who is now in a civil partnership with a woman has been for well over over 10 years now I think actually so there's that sort of element of it and I always thought that 
it was a community that I was always very sort of welcomed by, very involved in, and as well as sort of playing rugby before, I just thought that sounds like an amazing opportunity, sort of impossible to turn down. So yeah, um, came well, that was back when we were, I know we mentioned the park last week, when we were back at Encliffe Park. Um, I remember we came to the first session, and do you remember on the Tuesday nights, there was a running club there, <laughs> oh yeah yeah i just yeah. do laps around us yeah, yeah. i remember that yeah god in winter so, you'd just uh, see these head torches like little fireflies around the boundary oh, around the boundary it, yeah it yeah, was yeah. Awful. so as like through just sort of sheer nerve because I was, I was absolutely bricking it before the first one and um, they used to get i used to get it not so much now but like that awful anxiety before things so i was there about 20 minutes early probably and as i'm sure we can all remember from those tuesday sessions is that no one turned up before seven o'clock it was literally like <laughs> on the dot or late was the was the sort of formality for it so then i went over yeah. and all i'm, I'm like there there's literally no one there and i'm going am I, am I in the right place like you know this is definitely anchored park i feel like this is the only part of the park you'd be capable of doing rugby training and so i'm here <laughs> then i saw the uh there's like a building isn't there and i saw a few people sort of starting to rock up you know putting trainers on and stuff so i was, I was sort of rocked over, was like you're right guys how's it going and they sort of looked at me like yeah <laughs> you're okay <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! And then, then I saw a few like women turning up, and I was like, "Oh, this!" I mean, I knew it was inclusive, but I didn't think it was like you know, sort of both both genders inclusive rugby. And then it took me a while to realise that this is definitely not the rugby <laughs> club. And then sort of, <laughs> saw your training fifty feet in the other direction. I was like, "Ah, oh, well, that's me, guys. Uh, see you later." Yeah, that was out. I hadn't heard that before, Charlie. That's fantastic. Same here. That's that's there's definitely nothing, that's funny. There's, there's, that it's twofold, isn't it? Because there's there's nothing that looks sillier than a person standing in full rugby gear on their own in the middle of a feet of a park, <laughs> right. just like okay, fair enough. And then, and then go, hi guys, you here for the rugby? And it's like you know, it's, it's the fact that it was in sports gear. I feel like they just sort of looked at me like, did you just completely miss the memo of what we do? And come massively overprepared <laughs> for it. But uh, yeah, no, that was the, uh, the first one. Then that was my first training session. Then I went to another training session the following Tuesday. And then that Saturday, I took the eight hour round trip to Swansea to play in a game wow. after what wow. two years training back with the team and managed to do my, my shoulder for six weeks, but completely worth it. Yeah. Amazing. Tell me a bit about your first match then. <laughs> well, yeah, we got pumped. And um, to be fair, it was, I remember, I remember thinking at the time, you know, obviously at that point I hadn't met anyone. I remember I'd met Ryan the Shelby at the mm-hmm. training, like, you know, we'd sort of been paired up and he was playing yep. and he was driving there. So he offered me a lift. Obviously, apart from that, I didn't really know anyone. I think we, we had like 14 players gone. So we had to nick one from their team. And so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, classic. That sounds like IGR all over this, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, <laughs> so I think that you know there was a real mix of you know that I think me, I was there obviously I think Innes was there James Oldroyd and you know, a, a few sort of more experienced players but then also some more you know slightly newer people to the game and stuff that you know there was a real mix yeah. of ability there and they, we all learned a lot but yeah you know they had a they had a full squad and they obviously had a probably more experienced team there so but it was good you know Joel I remember Joel Walker played amazingly nicked a, nicked a couple of tries and then apart from that honestly I, I couldn't care less I don't remember the score, couldn't care about it. It was just after four years being back on a rugby pitch. Back on felt pitch. Yeah. No, I, feel, I felt exactly the same after my, my first game back. Because I think, Charlie, you uh, arrived, we, we mentioned it in passing last week that I had a, I had, I had a pretty bad injury after yeah. the first session back because I was in the same kind of boat as you been a couple of years out and just kind of over eager and tore, tore myself to bits because uh, I think you arrived during the period when I was recuperating yeah and I arrived like, back yeah because yeah, yeah. I arrived back to training and went who's this guy because <laughs> he's like who's this <laughs> nine foot tall person I'm quite yeah. I'm shy. for those listening who know who we are I'm 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 quite uh vertically challenged so to see <laughs> this massive beardy guy come out of nowhere going right things that things are rather different than they were yeah. uh, <laughs> Well, know, I, I remember, wasn't it? Though, it was myself, Stephen, and Charlie Winterburn. Like we all joined in quite a short period. Yeah. Obviously, like yeah. sort of played in and stuff before. So I think that yeah, I remember a few people said that they sort of didn't go to training for a few weeks, and they came back, and it was like, oh, the uh, the outlook is slightly different to what it was before. I feel like I missed <laughs> yeah. like a memo here. <laughs> I'll tell you what was great about that first time, though, when you guys joined, is the fact that you joined after I had. Now, yes. I joined the group, the team, not really knowing much about the sport or any, anything, shape and form, uh, but 
you know, I'm not going to lie, there was a bit of worry there where I was thinking, oh, that's it, I'm going to get replaced. But literally, the the environment that we work in, especially within the Vulcans, is so warm and welcoming, regardless mm. of, you know, where you stand or or where your ability lies. Uh, it's mm. like we said it last week, it's all about that passion, it's all about that drive. If you've got it, then you can uh, okay. certainly come together. And I think what's yeah. good about us is the fact that we've got different people from all kinds, all different walks of life, but we get on as one mm. and we work together as a team. And I think because we have that ethic, we've worked really well together. So it was great to welcome you guys on board. Yeah, I, I remember joining and as well thinking that the attitude there was so much better than you see in so many other places where it's like everyone mm. is there is sort of, you know, as I say, you know, a rugby player in, um, in inverted commas, you know, when everyone probably really thinks of themselves as being like accomplished in their different roles and almost like bigger than the club, isn't it? Which was where I was so much rather come to a team and see guys like yourself uh, who have, you know, picked up a rugby ball for the first time a couple of months ago. And also, you know, people like uh, Liam, who we mentioned last week and things, you know, I mean, for him to have never played rugby before and then in a couple of, in the space of a couple of, of years of going to training, you know, playing uh, playing scrum half, which is such a technical position. Yeah, and technical on the pitch. Position. Like, it's, it's so impressive how far yeah. people have come and they do it by having mm. that attitude and that, um, and that mentality of, of, you know, I've never done this before. I just want to go and improve massively. I mean, that's sort of how we became friends, wasn't it, John? Because obviously, we you know we'd spoken to each other a few times mm-hmm. um, before, you know, just sort of in passing as you do a training. But I remember we were paired off, weren't we, in a training session? Oh um, yes, we were. Yes, yeah. on, on yeah. some uh, tackling drills, which mm-hmm. were, which were fun. Like we, we did we did them, but then we both sort of remember we were both just like, you know, well, we're, we're pretty sound at this. And then I was like, does anything you want to work on? And we went through some like passing and catching drills and stuff, and that was yeah, stuff like that's really lovely to see people development and just to see that mm-hmm. that enthusiasm get uh, become into some sort of productivity in what you're developing on the pitch yeah it's fantastic mm. yeah absolutely yeah I, I just as a question just uh, popping in my head charlie we talked we mentioned slightly you and i have both played to varying degrees of success yeah. and levels in the past what's the difference for you between the atmosphere yeah. that you see with both the vulcans but also with other igr teams that we've yeah. played whether it's uh you know Newcastle, Northampton, Swansea that you mentioned, your, your own time, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in more detail, your, your time with the Wyverns. Yeah. And South, what's the, what's the, the what's the key, what, what's, what's a difference and what's a similarity? That would be, that's what, yeah. that's what I'd probably like yeah, to Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, thank you. I'm really interested to see what kind of your experience of this is as well, obviously, like, you yeah. know, kind of, you probably over in Ireland as well. Just interested if there if there are things slightly different in it. But what I found is that so I played from like under eights and I played at um, Bognor Rugby Club. If there's oh, there won't be, but if there is anyone listening, you know, shout out for the club. Which is where <laughs> I sort of grew up um, in West Sussex, which is obviously quite like a middle class county, but Bognor is probably a more working class place within that um, within that county. So they kind of held that very much on their shoulders. You know, the the more of the working man sort of club and everything. And I loved it going growing up playing for them. You know, I, I didn't get good until I was a bit later, but yeah, I think that... When the, the growth spurt hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? You know, it suddenly became the size of a man when everyone else... Was, you know, 13 years old. I'm still yeah. waiting for mine, by the way. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it'll so come one day, Nathan. It's, it's not all lost yet. <laughs> I think that... So, what the thing is that all the individuals there were lovely. I mean, obviously, you know, there are people you like, there are people you don't like. You know, you're never going to get on with, them, with everyone in, all, in any walk of life. But, my, you know, all the guys that I went with there, they were all sound people. I think that the system and the atmosphere that was bred there if you weren't a part of the lgbt community or at least had some sort of contact with it would be one that i think would have inadvertently made them feel quite uncomfortable obviously having grown up with uh, my situation with my mom as she is and just and also being involved as i mentioned previously in um, in like drama and theater which is naturally more associated with you know being inclusive and encompassing is that a lot of you know the banter a lot of the chat is that real sort of heteronormalizing, inadvertently homophobic? If you know, if you know what I mean by that, in the sense of mm. you know, oh, that, that there'll be a, a punishment for drinking, which sort of you know go, goes on to uni and stuff. And it's obviously you know the the things you'll do as punishments are sort of like gay suggestive things, aren't they? You know, like sort of drink drink a pint of beer out, you make ass crack and stuff like that. It's and it's that sort of and that banter, and then also yeah. you know the the the, the way that humour is often put across is in very kind of stereotypically macho ways that I think that the mm. people there and they and I did for as well for even for those that weren't LGBT is that they made people feel yeah. probably uncomfortable without people realizing and as I said I think the majority of individuals in there 
if they knew that a gay player was joining the team, would be completely accepting of it. You know, I think it's like, you know, if, if you want to come and play for the team, you want to come and play for the team. But then also it wouldn't be necessarily celebrated slash, I don't think it would have been a very welcoming environment for those to for those people to uh, yeah. to come into. I don't know if that's sort of similar to what you would have experienced. Uh, back home, um, I, I yeah, I, I presu- I, I'm pretty sure it would have been. Now, I think there are differences, and, and they're they're not necessarily very interesting unless you've been involved in them. But the the, the rugby scene in Ireland is very much schools dominated. I know there is an yeah. element of that here as well, but the clubs you, you can't play for a club and a school, for example. Um, yeah. And ninety percent of people who come through the provincial stuff. So I'm I'm from Dublin, so if I if I was to get Leinster trials, it was never going to really happen, obviously. But um, it, you know, if I was to get Leinster trials, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that attitude in these knees. Um, yeah. but if I was to get Leinster trials, like ninety percent of the guys who go will be going through schools and the clubs would maybe have a touch that is a class thing for sure because while it's not to the extent that it is in england when it comes to rugby union it is still kind of the middle class sport and you know the yeah, clubs sure. tend to be slightly work, more working class based um shane horgan uh, who has quite a number quite a number of caps for ireland and scored some very important tries uh, brother i should say of sharon horgan who wrote catastrophe on channel four if you're interested mm-hmm. in those links mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant he's one of the few that came through the club system so that does happen but from the school's perspective yeah i think that that you know capital b banter yeah. that isn't really banter at all is it, it is pernicious and it is it is there and as you say, I don't, I'm not going to say not all rugby players. Hashtag not all rugby players, but it's there and it's part of it's part of the um, it's part of the atmosphere, and it's not something that is going to change quickly. Um, no, I think indeed. I think that it will still be a part of it. I think I think rugby in this country is very different to the experience, as I've said, in Ireland. But I think rugby in this country is often it's, it fulfills its own prof. It's a self fulfilling prophecy a lot of the time. People play up to these the hazing or whatever you want to call it. I know it's an American phrase, but I think it's played up to in within within the rugby culture. Um, and I think that that's not being challenged from the inside. And I don't think it's our role as people who play within an IGR community to challenge that, but I think it is to highlight the fact that's going on. Uh, It's a culture Mm. generated by... You know, yeah. generations of a of a class system within rugby, which is sort of like you know yeah. you've got your, your two your two versions of the sport. You know, your two yeah. codes, yeah. your union and your league, which was bred out of a bred out of a class system um, yeah. pre existing about kind of you know as you say the uh, the private schools and the more working class individuals. What I also think as well is that you know when when it's that banter, which is that we still have banter in IGR, like that hasn't gone away. We don't sort of all just sit there. We don't all sit there and going, oh well, oh, congratulations, mate. Oh, you you, you just dropped the ball. Six times but you know we all still love you obviously depending on who the that's, person no, is yeah. nobody talks to Jan Giles that way that's not yeah, how anyone exactly. talks to Jan Giles right. after he's dropped the ball for the third yeah. time in a row <laughs> yeah for sure and you know you, you still want to have a laugh you still you know <laughs> still there with your friends and still enjoying it I think that obviously you know you do it within the context of the individual I mean you know if it's some guy yeah. that's never picked up a ball before that's just joined a session I'm not going to you know give him give him um give him the help for you know making a couple of mistakes <laughs> as opposed to you know, making fun yeah. of you for, for being a leprechaun or something. You know, it's all a bit. Um, all right, all, yeah. Here it is. I was wondering when it was yeah. going to start. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know, in, the group, in the group chat. I know. No, yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. You're absolutely right. The expression, but yeah, yeah. No, and it's like, and it's the ability to you know, have fans have some fun with your mates without it being at the expense of you know whatever community it is that could be present without you knowing, but then would make them sort of you know feel uncomfortable within that situation. Um, yeah. I, was, I was wondering actually, John, like kind of, I know that you hadn't played rugby obviously in um in a capacity before but what's your sort of experience of like uh, of sports I don't know within school or within wider culture kind of growing up being a member of the LGBT community whether it was a necessarily a positive experience for you before Vulcans that's a very good question actually um, I touched upon this very briefly in last week's episode I um, yeah. never really had any kind of interest in sports at all yeah, yeah. Um, that's because I grew up in an area of Sheffield in the manor who you know from my, my family wasn't necessarily that rich um, mm. As a result of that, it was kind of, what can we get just to entertain him for five minutes? So, and that's where I discovered my love for film. But as far as sports goes at school, I used to love playing rounders. Um, I used to love playing cricket. 
And because um, being a member of the LGBT community, I didn't really come out until I was 20 when I went right. to uni, just simply because it's that unknown fear and having to deal with a lot of the toxic masculinity around going to school where people would openly call people the F word, they'll drop F bombs left, right and centre. And that yes. would be really, really scary. And, you know. Yeah, being gay is an insult in school, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 that, and that is also, unfortunately, it's part of rugby, but it certainly was to me anyway, you know, going yeah. up through the three age groups with rugby and I imagine it still mm -hmm. is in a lot of rugby clubs and a lot of schools you know to this day mm -hmm. which is where I think I'd say the um just the vitality of something like a of IGR rugby is so important yeah. that's exactly it like I said there were some sports I did really enjoy but because my school didn't really have like the football team the cricket team or anything yeah. like that there wasn't really right. much in terms of organized sports so I was never really yeah. exposed to it and again because I had no interest whatsoever in watching either Sheffield Wednesday or Sheffield United play <laughs> there was a time when I used to go and watch Sheffield Sharks basketball for a bit but that kind of like stopped pure because of circumstances allowing me basically meant that I, I couldn't go so I, I never really um, fell in love with any sports and I think it's because I, I was quick to write them off um, yeah. but um as far as playing in any sports or any way, shape and form, um, again, I had, you know, I think it's the lack of experience and the fear of being uh, considered as um, inappropriate to play sports because, I, you know, I've always been a big lad in my life and sometimes, you know, I can't perform as well as other people. So um it's for me i just wasn't able to play sports so it's something i never really considered and then when i went on my health kick and, and then started to gradually lose weight and started to be more active and it was at that point really that i started branching out and thinking you know what can i try you know mm. there's, there's only so much you can achieve on your own i want to do something that's fun i want to get involved with stuff so naturally when i when i found the vulcans i was like okay <laughs> and it yeah, was it was yeah. the vulcans which are my first think... opportunity at being exposed to being a member of a sports team so yeah. um and then like i said to nathan last week it was a case of as soon as it's on that field after the first session yeah. never looked back i think it was the best thing i could have ever done in my life and i wish i would have found it earlier in all honesty yeah. uh, and well, i think that's part of the the, the 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 great thing about about both igr but also we touched on the spirit of 2012 um and the investment yeah. that has come into making sports more accessible regardless of whether it's because of uh you know your your physical uh, ability whether it's your your gender uh your your identification whatever it, it 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 strikes me as absolutely a ridiculous statement to say that this is a country that has produced x amount of million rugby players and they've all been straight yeah. like how many? How, what percentage of people who 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 are who are queer or who are LGBTQ plus have just been not in not got involved? And they might have been the, the next Johnny Wilkins, and they might have been the next. They might have been the next Stephen Gerrard. You know, it, there's there's no way to say that only straight people are good at this kind of rugby in particular, or football, or whatever. And so it's it, it's 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 brilliant that this is now something that can be accessed. Mm -hmm. But there's there's think of the players we might have missed out on as a result of not feeling welcome. It's it's out it's it's nuts and it's something I'm sure we'll spend more time talking about as we move through the next like couple of weeks and months and we get people on to talk about stuff like that but it's just it's brilliant to see it accessible but that only makes it all the more galling that it was so inaccessible yeah. for such a long time. Yeah, yeah I, completely, I completely agree with you, uh, Nathan. Yeah, I think it's a case of you know I think this is certainly a subject that we can embrace in a future episodes. You know, bring that let's let's pull that for now and we can pick that up at a later date so i think that's brilliant okay so um that was a, a lot to digest uh, a lot of uh, useful information there charlie i am so happy that you're with us would you think now is a good time for a break yeah i my kind of pop is empty and my throat's needing uh being quenched so yeah let's just take five and uh we're back in a minute to talk about uh everything that went on at the weekend Welcome back. Right. Okay. So in that first half, we gave a well and welcome. Well, I'm going to start that again. <laughs> welcome back, everyone. That was the first half. We gave a warm welcome to our co-host, Charlie PM. 
Now, uh, for the second round, we're going to continue talking about the wonderful Six Nations. The first round took place last weekend, and we spoke about it. Nathan and I spoke about it, and um, Nathan kindly gave his thoughts and um, kind of predictions for what's going to happen. And so did Charlie as well in his in his blog available on, on SheffieldVulcans.com. Make sure you check that out. So my predictions are looking good. You know, they're not looking terrible. They're not actually. They you're doing, you're doing very very I, well. I think looking into my predictions I rather rushed into him like a monster flanker does into a Welsh person's head unfortunately <laughs> so, um, irrelevant. that was irrelevant. that was the Ooh. yes Ooh. Oh, oh look pullback pull reveal um, the audacity yeah, I, the gumption I and the I, goal I stormed into them a little bit too recklessly um, a, la, a la Piramani but I'm sure we'll, 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 we will we will talk about that at some stage but I'll tell you what so, though, Charlie, it was uh, surprising yeah for sure um, what it, what it, well, I mean, I guess we should probably do, we'll do, will we do it in chronological order or should yeah, we? Yeah, I, feel, I, feel I don't like see I, I feel like, um, you know, it's maybe not the, uh, the, the best week for both of us to be talking. Um, I'm talking about our <laughs> things, not, not going to be coming in it from necessarily the most positive perspective, but, uh, no. you know, honestly, I've been, I've been waiting so long for the six minutes. Well, no, as you said last week, actually, it doesn't feel like as long as, as it normally is. Yeah. Obviously, we've got a little bonus six nation, although January did has felt like probably one of the longest months ever. You know, I'm currently teaching <laughs> during, during COVID, which is just a nightmare. I bet you're glad, Nathan, that you weren't, weren't teaching during, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not still doing I'm, it at the moment. No, <laughs> staring out of the rear view mirror and still going straight. And yeah, if they end exactly. up filming the way, so be it. I literally just could not imagine trying to do yeah. anything other than just, no. yeah, just get through a single day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Off to you, my friend. But then, yeah, then then you wait, wait, warm up. You think I'm going to get through it. So I've got the Six Nations yeah, coming yeah. at the end of it. And then that happened. But, mm-hmm. um, but no, yeah, let's talk about the France Italy game. I think that. There was yeah. some, some equal parts, France, especially Dupont being absolutely sensational oh. with some incredibly amateur stuff from Italy that I haven't come mm. to expect from them over the last sort of year or so. I think that yeah. has overall done a really good job with them, but there were a few parts that, that yeah, I was just... Yeah, because I said last week that, I f- that there was that... There's been the conversation of of their place in the competition for a while now. I think it is a tedious conversation. I Last think it's, thing. I I don't. It's it's not something that's, that we're, that we're going to see massive changes on anytime soon. But Italy had had a decent eighteen months. They had a, not they hadn't won a game. I mean, they haven't won a game for how long at home? But they had they have players coming through that are are good players and have really really good places to start from. I mentioned Garbisi in my players to watch yeah, the tournament. I, I, oh, you I did, thought, yeah. yeah. I thought that he was their sort of shining light actually in this he was game. Good. I thought he had a fantastic mm-hmm. game. In a, I thought the sentence were quite poor. But yeah, I think yeah. that you know mentioning on that sort of their the relevance of their place in the tournament, I think it's a fairly redundant conversation as long as the Six Nations remains a European competition. Especially it. I don't see at the moment any real rising place for it. I know that you sort of mentioned before the only way I could possibly see it working is something like a playoff place. But even then, you know, the the, ne- the next best team is Georgia, and I thought the Nations Cup really exposed how, as much as yeah. they're a good team, as far as as far as you know, real sort of tier tier two tier yeah. three side go, they're still a, they're still a long way off. And I would back Italy yeah. to beat them every day. However, some of the stuff that I saw on there, I think that the the real incidents I wanted to go draw attention to, and I don't, it's maybe not always the best idea to start on the negatives. But for me, for me, the, the the thing that really stood out, what sort of encapsulated it, was you know the the Fiku try. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. you know on international rugby. For those of you that don't know, there's a very very kind of the, the simplistic way that you defend a, as a back line, especially in any part of the pitch, really. Um, but especially that close to your try line, you know, your wingers are going to be up. They're not going to be deep like they normally are covering because you need them to cover each wing with the potential threat of a try. So therefore, the way that it usually works with with the space in behind that defensive line is you have your fullback covering wide and you have your scrum half or your fly half covering the short covering the near space in the line behind. Okay, where were they? Like they, they were yeah, they were completely went the walkabout, didn't they? I mean, yeah. don't take away from. I, I don't know how many times I've seen this happen where I've not seen a, a, a nine put boot on it off the back of a mall very often. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. this, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Dupont as we go forward, the genius yeah, yeah, yeah. of the player, form player in the world. For him to do something like that, it's, I, I can't, I was racking my brains, I saw it happen, thinking, when was the last time I saw a, a, a scrum half taken yeah. off the back of a rolling mall and pop it through? But you're absolutely right. 
the, the, the you could have the extenuating circumstances. Oh. Well, that's staying in. You could have the extenuating <laughs> circumstances that they weren't expecting it, but yeah. at international level, you're playing the best player in the I, world. You've got to expect everything. You know, I mean, I mean, you said it there. Dupont's probably the best player in the world at the moment. You know, his um, his intelligence, the way he perceives things, is just world class. And he was the again, once again, the pivot of everything good that France did on Saturday. I just think that you look at that situation, and there's a reason that you don't see that try get scored very often is because teams cover better than that. And hmm. um, and I thought that and I thought that in other areas as well that things that I hadn't actually become accustomed to seeing from Italy over as you said the last eighteen months which is things I know there were big holes in defence I thought their chip, their kick chase was really quite lacking they weren't particularly well organised in that capacity um, I thought the forwards you know there was a couple of good players in there that you know put in a shift but. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought they were really missing Pelledri with that character. Yeah, I was literally about to say they missed big Pelledri, didn't they? Because he is, yeah, he's, cool. he's one to, not just one to watch, he's, he has arrived fully formed to yeah. fill the the massive, massive gap left by the, the inimitable Sergio Parise. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think they're definitely missing that. They would have missed his, 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 just his, his ball carrying would have made such a difference to the way that they approach the game because I think they go into every game. Unfortunately, the, the, the goal is always going to be damage mm. limitation. And I think, uh, that and that, that, I, I think they've got some real players that can be really effective alongside someone like a Pledgery that can give you that impetus. Like I thought Negri, I think Negri's a really good player. I put him in mm. my sort of ones to watch 15. I think he's a good flank, you know, he a good six. He can't constantly is that gnaws on your side, isn't he? Um, thorning, thorning away at the game and just kind of being really irritating for the course of it. And they've got Garbisi that we spoke about before. Yeah, I think that, that especially in the centres, do you think that was, that was a real target area for me that I thought they were really struggling, especially with how well Fiku and Vanson were playing for France? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, just, they just seem to go to go missing and I don't mean that in a sense of a big player goes missing we'll talk about a, a big a big number 10 going missing in another game yeah, uh, in a couple of minutes but yeah. they, they just Zanon and Brex Brex had a couple of decent attacking moves going forward I think carried well bit um, slow. but again bit slow. yeah but he's not they're not defensive just not strong enough I think yeah. the one other player who impressed me just to do a positive for them even if he never plays for them again and he never achieved anything more in in his shirt Stephen Varney put DuPont down with a lovely little sidestep and almost away in the corner so he, the 19 year old who plays plays his trade at Gloucester yeah. can always yeah. hold on to that he's, he's like, the best player on the world doesn't matter it was a lovely it was a, it was a good moment it was and it was nice to see and I want I want to talk about this later on um with the 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 Calcutta Cup, it was nice to see a little bit of off the cuff rugby, little yeah. bit of just let's see what happens, let's throw the dice, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll see where we end up. Yeah. As I said, I mean Dupont, the hero, Teddy Thomas played well. I thought yeah, Fiku was good. played well. Gabin Villiers was good. The, I was the I was going to say I, I thought I thought that Villiers was a real breakout performance for me. I hadn't seen that much of him before, um, and obviously because they've mostly over the last year or so, haven't they? They've, they've mixed it up and they played Fiku on the wing a lot, haven't they? In the absence yes. of um, Peno and with the sort of the inconsistencies of injuries and form, etc. If you like, so Boutier and Rates, etc. So I, I didn't know much yeah. about Vidya coming in. I thought that he just looked... He probably didn't, you know, uh, get the sort of points or something. The other players did, but he just looked so tidy, didn't he? You know I mean, everything he did yeah. was looking... But considering he was playing aggressive. playing second division rugby not that long ago, uh, yeah, it was I'm pretty impressive saying. to have a rise like that. But, but as I say, I mean, I don't think there's that much that anyone really learned. France were brilliant. Italy yeah. were unprofessional, lacked fitness. It's the it's the usual story, unfortunately. But there are there are bright spots there, as we mentioned. I think they. I don't want to say oh, it'll come good because it's been a long time. Yeah. It's you know twenty one years. But um, but yeah, there's good players coming through. Um, and if they can get players like uh, if they can focus their game around players like Garbisi and yeah. and, and, and focus the players it's around players like Belledri. Build build a team around. Them. I also think that looking at this game, you know. Um, as much as it's Italy, you, you it's not often that any team puts in the way that convincingly. And I think that France is very That's much true. their tournament to lose from looking at this. Yeah. What about yourself, John? Did you have any um, observations of the game yourself? There we go. I'm, I'm still very much uh, sitting in the learning seat when it comes to, um, you know, knowing players by their names. But I was general. I really enjoyed that game. Um, yeah. You know, we mentioned very briefly before we came on air our, our thoughts about each game. And I look more on the technical side of things and how 
you know, how the ball was carried and all the tries and everything from that point. And I just thought, you know, again, it's down to, I was, I was just shocked by the sheer amount of misdirection by friends, shocking everyone into oh, yeah. uh, different directions and then getting I, I mean, you won't, point. you won't so, see for me more sort of like enjoyable rugby in a lot of places there, mm. would you just, and without them ever really going out of like second, third gear, to be honest, mm-hmm. you know, they were just running through the phases, finding the space and putting, putting them through and some really just, yeah, gorgeous rugby to watch. I think mm. as a, as a neutral or a, a or as a, you know, kind of a more, uh, a, a new fan as you are, yeah. I imagine it was very enjoyable to watch some of the rugby that was on show. Oh, very much so. Let's be honest, as an opening game for the Six Nations, it was, it was, it was cracking. It was very much yeah. entertaining. So yeah, I was, um, I, I thought that was, that was fantastic in all honesty. I think France certainly right. deserved to win that, that game. So yeah, so should we move on and talk? Right. Uh, um, no, because... I, don't, I don't think, I don't think there was another game on Saturday, was there? So we just move on to the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> move on to the Sunday fixture. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, with that, unfortunately, um, things didn't turn well for England, did they, on Saturday uh, when they played against Scotland? Uh, you uh, know, I, I, I would say things things turned out well for Scotland as opposed to things didn't turn out well for England. There's always a positive to uh, be found. Situation, yeah, <laughs> unless it involves losing to Scotland, in which case, yeah. But, um, but I, credit you know, where credit's due, though. Credit where yeah. credit's due. You know, Scotland oh, did they, the work. Their attack line great. was absolutely fantastic, and you know, at the end of the day, you can count on people like Stuart Hogg. You know, who, uh, quite frankly, <laughs> in my eyes, was just an absolute legend on that day. And the fact that oh, you know this was Scotland's first win at Twickenham in 38 years, which, when you think about it, nuts. That's insane. Yeah, crazy. You that's know, as I've... old as like. I maybe, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, what, what do you guys think? Postcard thing. Yeah, it's it's as old as I look, John. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I um, you know, first of all, first off, congratulations to Scotland. I thought that they played with an aggression. I thought they played with an intensity, and I thought that they played with a physicality that I had not seen from them probably ever. That when since I've been watching, you know, if you, other than maybe their performances against Australia in the World Cup about four, uh, six years ago, you know, where they just, I think that what Scotland have been lacking most over the last few years that has seen them sort of unable to go from a good team with potential big games to consistently potentially you know challenging for the top of the table challenging for a six nations is that they they haven't been able to really come out meet and dominate packs at a top level and by that I mean you know, the forward packs you know they're big boys up front and you look today that we could get the performances of you know I think Johnny Gray and Hamish Watson were the real standouts in the forward yeah work. Hamish Watson Watson was superb yeah they were their tackling their work great also uh, for me how much has Johnny Gray improved with his carrying yeah, I hadn't, yeah I hadn't he carried well he's usually a tackling machine and he was as well again on Saturday but he was getting over the game line he was just consistently setting the ball up giving them that platform but then also in the rest of it I thought that um, Turner their hooker coming in as, as you know third or fourth choice with McAnally yeah. Fraser Brown injured I thought he had a fantastic game and uh, Scott Cummins I think is sort of one of the most underrated second rows probably going in the tournament at the moment actually he's a uh, he's a really really good player and I thought they came they came out and they came out with a real intention and they also they left 10 points on the pitch quite easily fair play to them they thoroughly deserved it or saying that as good as they were I thought England were as bad as they were good for large portions of the game oh this is where I really want to come in now because not yeah. just <laughs> not just to poor I mean look I have got a lot I have got a lot to celebrate this weekend and uh, there's that very famous band ad of of, uh, of who's it's not about who you want to win it's actually who they want you, you want to lose and this when it comes to the six nations um I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand this inability to play the game that's in front of you that seems to envelop um the, the England backline in particular at this weekend. I think the, they they strolled to the Autumn Nations Cup with the exception of the final where they played a team who played the game in front of them, which is what Scotland did. Finn Russell was a wizard the way he, he moved around. Hogg was when Hogg's on form, he's superb. That was the one kick to the corner that he had. I can't remember how far the game yeah, were. And you and when that goes out and you go, right, it's his day and they're on, it's on today. But they arrived at Twickenham with the look and they looked like they knew it was on. And that's the confidence that it brings. But I'm, 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 we, we, we've, we've given Scotland all the praise that we were going yeah. to right now. And, and I know that there'll be people in the club who want to hear that. Uh, you know, Innocent Ali will be still writing ballads <laughs> about this for 
years to come. Yeah, they, they, but haven't, they haven't sobered up. They no, haven't. I'm pretty no. sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure the cheers still echo around the seven hills of Sheffield. Don't you <laughs> but, but um, I, there's a, there's an image that came out from the game. I think I actually put it up on our, one of the chats that we're in, guys. Um, and it was nine to ten. Farrell has ball in hand. There's seven men outside him. And there's three Scottish defenders. And at the far end of that is Johnny May, the quickest man in world rugby at the minute. And Farrell puts boot to ball. And he yeah. kicked it. I don't know. I, I would love to see the stats. I haven't been able to find the stats on how many times England kicked away possession in the 80 minutes. But it's going to be more than once every two minutes, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's like they're going to have kicked it at an extremely high. The amount of times he put boot to ball was nuts. And I had I kind of came up with this, this idea that jo- Jones, Eddie Jones is a big man for the system. We play this way. This is what we do. This is our identity as a team, which is something that actually Stuart Lancaster was wrongly slated for, this identity thing. And they grind out results and they've got world-class players, but they grind them out and then they put them away in the last 20. It's, the, as I, I, I kind of coined it in our chat, the Mourinho-fication of rugby. Yeah, yeah. So for those of you who watch football, Mourinho is, he's manager of uh, Tottenham at the minute, but famously won championships at Inter Milan and, and Chelsea playing unattractive, but effective football. And I think and he, he drilled into the players what their job was. And he's so done that with with England that I think they don't know the the plan B aspect just seems lacking. And when you've got players like Owen Farrell, when you've got players like Henry Slade, Anthony Watson, plan B is give them the ball and let them play rugby. Yeah, because it's we have decided now that playing the game in front of you is a, is risky when actually playing the game in front of you should be the bare minimum, especially for a 9-10 and maybe for a 12-13 as well. And it just didn't happen. And and they, they, they had put too much faith in the system and the system is being picked apart. And I think that 2020 may have been a band-aid over, over what is becoming a festering wound in the England camp yeah, because the quality is there. But Yeah, what, what I, well, yeah absolutely. I, I agree with everything you've said there. I think that there were elements of the game where I didn't really understand the tactics versus the selection. You look at, you know, we, we, we picked Ollie Lawrence, Henry Slade, which for me, I was really excited by. So, okay, mm. right, we're actually picking sort of a natural 12 and natural 13 for the first time in, uh, in quite a long time for England. Although before the game, Eddie Jones said in his classic way, oh, you've picked a 12 and a 13. He goes, that's not how the centers work anymore, mate. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're just sure, players. And, just play. and, 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 to be fair, and to be fair, you know, you know, in modern rugby, I feel like most centers are on the side of it. However, I mean, in more of the traditional roles of a 12 and a 13, i.e. the Manning to a laggy sort of role that, that I think England have been missing since his injury, of that being able yeah. to, the ability to penetrate the gain line, in the midfield. But what then I thought interesting was tactically was the I mean Farrell wasn't finding his passes, but fine, no, that, that their mistakes. But every time from first phase like set piece ball, he was setting Lawrence up for the carry, but was always using him as a decoy and then was going to slade off the first pass, you know, to come in as second receiver. Well just yeah. tactically I didn't really understand because you've got like that's Scotland's most effective defensive set that they've got right there. Every man's yeah. cowboy or the forwards are all tied up. And you're saying, and you're going to putting it to Slade. I mean, I've made no secret of the fact before that I absolutely love Slade. I think he's one of England's best players in, when he's given the right platform. But his ability isn't necessary to like to beat a man one on one, is it? You know, he's he's not immensely powerful. No. He's not lightning quick. He's not got the best step. His his ability is his intelligence. Yeah. And his, and, 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 you know, his would, would you agree, or am I am I am I looking at this with my green tinted spectacles? Because let's yeah. like. I'm a, cards to the table if I'm not if Ireland aren't going to win I know what the next result that I'm looking for is yeah, you know yeah, what I mean yeah. <laughs> you know I support two teams Ireland and whoever's playing against England with 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 those spectacles on and, and aware of that do you think that Eddie Jones is coaching the intelligence out of his players well that's an interesting point so what I say is that with almost the same group of players you look at the rugby they were playing like for example in the World Cup okay mm-hmm. you know look at that Australia game they tore them to pieces and and part of that was I think that you had a four-year cycle where he was he drilled in the system and then gave them the ability to express themselves in that game, which is when you had the likes of Henry Slade and broken field play. You know, he, he was he was making dummies. He was looking for intelligent kicks through. He's put May into the corner a couple of times. Obviously, there was the, the interception and stuff, but they were playing creative rugby and you, you had Farrell delivering, you know, those real game line passes and everything. Same as he did against Ireland <laughs> in the... Uh... <laughs> In the six in the twenty nineteen Six Nations, so obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. they've got the ability to do it. I think 
that there is still, and you said about, you know, the wound that still hasn't been healed. I think a massive part of that is that psychologically they just haven't gotten over that World Cup final yet. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to play a part for sure. Yeah, I, I think that Jones has looked at that and gone, you know, it's just that beaten up up front yeah. to such an extent where you're essentially non-competitive in the game. I think that it's then become the prime mission statement to look at the next four years. Yeah. Ago. We are going to build ourselves to be a disciplined, abrasive, physical unit that will only play if we're absolutely given the right to. And the uh, there's merit in that because it can be an incredibly effective way to win major tournaments. Uh, you know, you look at, it, it's sort of the approach that Warren Gatlin took to Wales when he, fir- when he first got there. Yeah, War- Warren Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're going to stop them, you know, kind of, you know, being attractive losers, essentially, playing nice rugby, but coming second, and turn them into a real unit that then can express themselves when they've earned the right to. But the the problem is with this weekend is that they didn't they, they didn't even do that properly. <laughs> no. um, yeah, they, they were when they were physically superior, they were the better team. Yeah. But when all of a sudden Scotland had the temerity to hold on to the ball, yeah. there was all of a sudden a bit of confusion. It reminded me not to the I just want to bring this up because it makes me laugh. It reminded yeah. me not to the same extent of when uh, Italy refused to rock a couple of seasons ago, oh, and yeah. um, the the English pack were going wait what how do we yeah. what and it was that same idea <laughs> that and I admire to an extent if Eddie Jones. If Eddie Jones's mind games, which we know he loves, if his mind games are to tell his players, you play this way, you're going to win regardless. So we don't need a plan B. That's fine. That's a that's possibly a good way to send a team out, fill them with confidence, let them know they're the yeah. best team, and regardless of what happens, their way will win. Yeah. But there are going to be times, like on Saturday, like a couple of years ago, like in the World Cup final, where it's not going to happen. It's not your day. The ball bounces. The ball bounces. I mean, we can talk about the ball going the wrong side of the uh, the dead ball zone later on, but the ball goes the right way or it goes the wrong way. And there are days when it happens. We've had it. You, I've seen it happen yeah. in games. I've had it happen to me in games. Just nothing works. And you need a backup plan. And as I've said, when you've got a bench as strong as England have, or what is it, Eddie Colson? Not yeah. bench, he calls them finishers, finishers. doesn't he? Finishers. When you've got finishers as strong as that and players on the pitch as, as exciting as, as all that, it should, plan B should just be, yeah. I'm going to see what I can do with the talents that I have. Yeah, and that doesn't seem to be evident. Or, or you know that finishers is now the beta version to Harlequin's Game Changers. <laughs> God. <laughs> as in, actually, when, they send, out, when anyway. they send out their thing, they're actually listed as, no, 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 they're not. They're not, they're not substitutes. They're not even finishers. They're <laughs> <it's> the Game Changers. <laughs> what, what, so, about you, what about yourself, John? What stood out to you from the game, to be honest? honest um i can't really compete with what you just said i I think you've really hit the nail on the head with quite a lot of issues that were raised from there i still think as you know even as a forward line i know you mentioned those genjas one of the uh, players to watch but Mm. i I think that he's not really fulfilling his role at this moment in time i know that yeah might not be what everyone wants to hear but you know as much as uh you know exactly who i wish was there (laughs) because i think to be honest if if marla was there i think we would have had a much stronger front line i thought he was perfect for that game yeah me too well because he wasn't there yeah. yeah, he is. Marco and Sinks are back. That'll be a big boost. So, yeah. fingers but, crossed, it starts to look up from here. I mean, I also, you know, there, there's always the element to which is bright. So, you know, we can talk about all, the, all, all these mm. things that England just had a bad game. And it will, and I guess the rest of the tournament will obviously show as to how they can recover from that. They, they had a bad game. It might, it, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And also for Scotland, you know, there's an element to which the World Cup final for them, isn't it? You know, it's a World Cup mm. knockout stage equivalent. And yeah, fair play, you know, they went out there in a good game. England had a bad game. Hey, we move. We move. Yep. So let's talk about let's talk uh, about your lads, Nathan. So obviously yeah. on Sunday, Ireland went against Wales. So yeah, a uh, couple of uh, surprise. Well, I wouldn't say surprising. Um, well, actually, a record-breaking thing happened. Oh, God, um, yeah. Especially for your side. I mean, let's talk about uh, is it O'Mahony? First Peter O'Mahony, yeah, ever to be sent off. Yeah, first first red card in the Six Nations. That was um, nasty. It was, and I would love to say it's the first time Amahni's ever done that. He's done it in the Red of Monster a couple of times as well. This this is the thing about players like Amahni. Um, I'm a huge fan of his. I've I've said this in the past. Um, I do think that he is he's definitely closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning. And I think he's possibly even aware of that. I don't know, uh, because there are other players coming through. The Irish setup is extremely strong in the back in the back row in particular. Actually, to be honest with you, when you look at the Lions, which we'll talk about when that comes around, back row is one of the most difficult places to pick uh, three players. Anyway, because like, you know, we've got Dan Levy coming back, for example. Josh van der Fleer, I thought was actually very, very played very well the weekend. Stander carried excellently again. 
Um, and you've got Caelan Doris, who I, I, I waxed lyrical about last week. But yeah, I mean, you can't, Amani's tackle, it, not tackle, Amani's loss of it was mind. Attack. I don't it know. It was an attack. It is, it is, I mean, come his on. Full, full frontal assault. Um, and the, the, what really frustrated me about it, it wasn't necessary for the moment either. No, it um, wasn't. It, really it wasn't. wasn't involved in, in that. In, it wasn't even, the ball the, the ball was secured. It was, anyway, it doesn't matter. He's a more experienced player that he should have should have known better than to do that. Um and and it co- it cost us, and I think I know it sounds like a big excuse. It I think it cost us the game because if you're losing a game by five points when you've played sixty odd sixty five minutes with fourteen players and you've gone in at half time, looking like if anything you're going to extend your lead after half time. You've act, I, like it's a very strange position to be in because I think over eighty minutes, I mean the team that wins the game deserves to win the game. That's how rugby works. Yeah. But I actually thought we played extremely good rugby with 14 players. I thought that Henshaw was superb. Um, he played extremely, extremely well. I thought 9 and 10 played well. I hadn't seen Sexton orchestrate a game quite as well. And the interesting thing I thought about Sexton's role was he was actually involved far, far less than you would expect from Jonathan Sexton. Mm-hmm. You know, he likes to be involved. He likes to carry. He's, you know, It was almost a joke at one stage in world rugby that you would see the 9-10 loop and Sexton coming around the outside and making yards and giving it out, out wide. That it would just happen every Every game that didn't happen. He, we were playing off Connor Murray a lot because we've got good carriers in the forward line, and they seemed to adapt fairly quickly to being a man down. Um, you know, scoring scoring before before half time, keeping Wales out of the game. But you can't you can't expect any minutes to go by, and even against a team that are in a little bit of a downward spiral like Wales are, you can't expect eighty minutes to go by and, and, and win a game when you're when you're fourteen men against fifteen. It's just it's not going to happen, especially when you've had a lot of people go off for periods of time. HIAs were three the roof in that game it just seemed like every five minutes someone was going off to get the magic sponge on their head and yeah, I think I that cost that. the game yeah. the game kind of stuttered and started it never really hit a flow Ireland-Wales games are always usually very entertaining they're usually very open games um, both sets of players have talked openly about how actually they're the ones they get on with the least yeah. because there was that period where they were you know, we were in the ascendancy against each other and, and this and the other unfortunately Omani didn't ruin the game but it definitely made it a different game to what it would have been I would have from an Irish perspective it's very frustrating because I don't really know what Farrell has done since autumn because that's not his fault there's nothing that could have changed that and unfortunately unfortunately we welcome France to the Aviva Stadium next weekend and I don't think we're going to learn a lot from that either because I think they're going to they're going to play probably the better game I don't go in with no hope because I think mm. you, you can't think that but yeah I, it's it's a, it was extremely frustrating We'll talk about the ending in a bit, but Charlie, have you anything else you want to add about the Welsh perspective or, or anything that used to stood out to you? Yeah, I, you know, obviously incredibly disappointing with uh, Omani. I'm usually the one that's on the side of wanting to look at the the potential mitigating factors of when a red card happens. You know, look at oh, you know, he was just he was dipping at the time or whatever. I don't think there's any excuse of it. He sees his head, he lows himself, he smashes him in the face. Like there's, it, it's. It's so brainless from someone that has the experience that he's got. You know, he's captain of the Lions. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah. it's crazy. But, you know, I thought that Ireland, as you say, reacted incredibly well to it. I thought that Wales, you know, Wales, um, I, I thought were, were actually considering the circumstances. I don't think that they targeted the Irish Ireland's weakness in the way that they could have done. They didn't exploit it in the potential way that it was there. You know, um, I thought that they they went wide probably a bit more than I would have done given the circumstances. When you've got a pack that's down to seven, as Ireland were, and, you know, there's no going to be that lack of the extra defender, I just thought, you know, just go around the corner, go around the corner. You know, they've got big ball carries. You've got your Adam Wynne-Jones. You've got Thalatau back. Um, you've got, you know, Tipperick, who I thought had a fantastic game. Um, yeah, he was superb, wasn't he? He was, he was fantastic. I, I thought that, you know, you, they had the ability to really kind of make some meters, some substantive, some defenders in before going out wide that they potentially missed the opportunity on. Um, but then, I yeah, you know, they did, they did what they had to do to get themselves over the line. I think that, as you said, it probably would have been the, the other way on the scoreline had Ireland been that up to um, their full strength. I was There was a couple of surprising performances in there for me. I didn't think George North was capable of playing well at outside centre. He was but fine, yeah, he was good. Yeah, lo and behold, he, he had a fantastic game of football. Uh, James, players. lo and behold, cut, cut out a couple of times by him. Yeah, but, yeah. I, know, I know. I mean, obviously, he's got a lot going for him, but has a real has a couple of, uh, of frailties that he needs to address, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, I think you, you've got a few players like that at the moment, haven't you? You know, you're in your terms of like with Stockdale and a couple of others yeah. that have, uh, have the bags of, of talent. In bags of ability, but then there's just there's always question marks. Yeah, I think. 
think yeah. I think so. I mean, I'm a huge fan of James Lowe's. Obviously, I'm a Leinster fan as well, and so yeah. watching his progress. Yeah, we've talked. I've been looking forward to when he pull on the green jersey. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. one of the. I'm. I, I do. I. I do think that the, the residency rules needs to to become stricter. But uh, obviously, we'll take advantage of it while we can. Yeah, um, big, big, you know, big boot on him, which is something that I don't think people expected. Who haven't seen him yeah. play? He's quick. He's strong. But he got he got found out. Um, and it's only his yeah. third tap international level. Is always going to be a step up. And he got found out in the corner. Um, should like I mean, Tyke Furlong's not the guy to make a diving tackle. For Rissam in the corner, it should have been. <laughs> that was big. But you imagine know, if he had though, yeah. imagine if he had, he couldn't get any. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't think Tyke Furlong can do wrong anyway. So if he'd done yeah. that, I think I probably would have, I would have got yeah. uh, turned the king on the back, tattooed on my back with his face because yeah. I, I do think he's, he's he's sensational. But um, yeah, we've a couple of players like that who have not a mistake in them, but have susceptibilities to to not mentally can, can be a little yeah. bit weaker. Uh, but having said that, we've got so many strong counter rockers that we we turn. Over, turn, turn over a lot of ball yeah, don't often get beaten in the centre of the park because I think Henshaw when Aki's playing he's there Henshaw's there Ringrose is very strong very underrated defender brilliant yeah. forward as we know oh, I, I thought I thought Ringrose especially in the early parts um, of the game I thought he was really he was having some lovely touches wasn't he some lovely passes yeah. I also oh, thought the, yeah, I also thought the following the red card I thought Stander really really picked himself up as yeah. well I thought you know yeah. but put into what, what I've always known about Skander of what he can do but he really did everything that he's sort of able to do wasn't he in that day because I think that in terms of you know his yeah. carrying I mean there was a lovely highlights real moment where he just absolutely wheelbarrows um, oh, that, oh that was sensational I love that that was a bit that was a real line storm moment wasn't it um, you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> vying, vying for your place buddy but I thought he really stepped up I, I showed a lot of leadership in that game uh, absolutely which is really important for you guys, I guess, as a team in a in a sort of transitional phase between uh, your the, not necessarily between you know players. I think there's a lot of established players there, but those established leaders, you know, your Sexton's, obviously in the you know in the in the six years since O'Connell's retired, as in it's been a, been a case of who is your sort of your real standout driving force leaders, and I think the standard is one of them. Obviously, James Ryan, who you, you also missed when he went off, but then again, and Henderson had a good game. I thought Ty Bird was one of the best Henderson's players. a great Henderson and Burner are, are are great players, but he's yeah. James Ryan. Is just that, just that little, little bit more kind of world class uh, yeah. about him. But uh, I just want to. The last thing I kind of want to say is, I said in the in the quiet of my own home, not to anyone on the internet, no. like some people did. I said some very horrible, mean things about Billy Burns, and I want to <laughs> take them back. No, no one heard them because the guy made a mistake. Yeah. Sexton did it twenty minutes previously. These things do happen. It was yeah. very frustrating. I, I I was very angry as a word that I could use, but uh, it was worse than that. But you know what? The guy made a mistake, and his actual challenge is the next time he pulls on the jersey, what does he do cool. next? Because people call him for his head. I mean, there are arguments outside of that for Ross Byrne to be involved or for Jack Carty to be involved instead. When Joey Carberry comes back, all these arguments are put to bed, but when we'll see him, we'll see next week if he if he's in the squad, how he responds. He because, yeah, exactly, exactly. And and you know what? I think just we're talking about inclusive rugby. We're talking about rugby being a place that people want to take part. Where you compete hard, you throw yourselves into it. But some of the stuff that people said on Twitter was completely ridiculous. Shut up, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort it out. Leave the guy. He's a young yeah. kid. You know, he's younger than nearly all of us here. I think it's ultimately ultimately it's a game with thirty people chasing egg around. Like you know, like, we, we love we yeah. love it. We love it, yeah. but yeah. ultimately, this yeah. is a game that is played between a set of people. You try and win, sometimes you do and you don't. And for yeah. people yeah. to be you know, giving the kind of comments they are to these, uh, you know, again, it's the anonymity that social media brings. I think it was a similar thing over the weekend, wasn't there, with um, with Mike Dean in the in the in the football, who's a football referee. For those that don't know, they gave a very controversial decision over a red card, which I mean, to be fair, it looked like a terrible decision. But you know, you're talking about death threats sent to yeah. his family. Yeah. Well, if we look, yeah. if we look within our our own sport, if you look at the horrific, horrific racist and sexist abuse that Maggie Alfonsi's had over the the past couple of weeks, wow. in particular, has been for those who don't know, she's a um, she was captain, wasn't she, of the England rugby union team? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Not, captain, at least a kind of a legend of, of women's rugby, um, mm-hmm. Grand Slam winner, World Cup winner, wanted to apply for head of the rugby uh, of the rugby of rugby of the RFU. Pardon me, got my words mm-hmm. shut up. 
and uh, the abuse that she's gotten as a result of just because she's a woman of colour it's, it's it's ridiculous and it may, as I said earlier on rugby is a sport that consistently fulfills its own expectations when it comes to things yes. like that so but anyway and well, we'll, well that's that's, we, that, we that's for the, yeah. the <laughs> well I'll, yeah. I'll stop you there obviously time is ticking so um, we've we've got the second round taking place this weekend so um, do you want to spend the next five minutes just looking through those games guys and tell me your thoughts on, yeah we'll speed, you know, speed through these because I think exactly, we have talked yeah. for a while haven't we um, so England Italy not a lot really to talk about is there I think that's going to be a disappointing, but obviously fairly comfortable England win. Bonus point? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think Italy games as an England fan are never fun because they're always either like a pretty walkover and they're not very exciting, or that England just don't do as well as they should have. But there's still no like loss risk of losing. Yeah. So yeah. I imagine it'll be something like that. And um, it's a shame the the performance on this weekend means that I don't think that Eddie's going to experiment in the way that he might have if they'd been more successful over the weekend. That's true. I think mm-hmm. I think you're going to see court. Laws come into six to sort out the try and sort out the line out in terms of having another jumper, mm-hmm. and I think that they'll do probably similar to what they did against Georgia in the autumn and just try and bulldoze them. Good. What I was going to say, I'll ask the two of you as England fans. You ready, Jones? You're allowed to make one change. What do you do? In a perfect world, what would be the one change that you would make to that England I'd, team going into next? I'd, I'd bring George Ford back into the side. Who, who's who's losing out? Owen Farrell had a bad game, and I'm not dropping him. He's, he's you know, he's you a, dropping Lawrence. Yeah, probably. Fair enough. No, that's fine. John, I personally don't think I could actually make a decision based on my own knowledge of who's who on the on the squad. Was it, was it, would think... you would you what would you tell them to would you tell them to play differently? Yeah, what would you would you make? yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be changed. With me, I'd say uh, stronger front row, definitely. Um, I think that definitely needs to be there. Um, I think we need yeah. to be a lot tighter, especially when it comes to attacking. I just felt a lot of that we were being reactive rather than proactive. Uh, we weren't mm, looking around yeah. us on the field. Yeah. We weren't just looking where space was, where other people were. We were just seeing opportunities and at that point, right. not really thinking twice, just going ahead and just doing it. And I think you know, a lot of time you only have to look at that match we played on Saturday. We we had a lot of missed opportunities there, and yeah, I honestly think that if we played a bit more smarter, this is exactly what I said last week in regards to the Autumn Nations. Yeah, okay, we did good overall. However, we could have played smarter, and we brought that as a lesson to Saturday's match. I think we could have had a much better game and possibly yeah. a better result. But you know, the best players on the day won and unfortunately that was Scotland but yeah let's move forward so yeah. that's that's how I feel about the situation so next uh, next game along then uh, Saturday afternoon England-Wales what a game that's going to be eh? yeah, I think sure. uh, I'm, 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 I'm sorry did I say England-Wales I meant yeah. that's, that's going to be a game oh, well, that'll stay in um, Scotland-Wales I'm going to pump for the home team I think Scotland are going to win that one I think they might do it a little more comfortably than perhaps they have in the past I agree but that's it. I think Scotland are definitely going to take it. They're obviously going to come into a, come into this game on a massive high, and rightfully so. Um, yeah. I think you know Scotland have got a lot of promise, and really have opened my eyes. You know, I've come into this game with the knowledge that Scotland aren't necessarily the best team out there, but yeah. they showed me some really surprising things on Saturday, where I was like, okay, uh, I have a yeah, lot to yeah. learn. Well, they've, and they've, they've, they've they've been building. Um, and yeah. I think that what we saw there was them kind of, yeah, it was one of the most mature performances I've seen from them, you know, like in comparison yeah. to uh, when they beat in England, you know, a couple, uh, well, nearly beat England at Tilkenham a couple of years ago, which was just like the mental game. It was a lot more mature. But yeah. I think for this game, if Scotland can bring the kind of physicality that they brought against England, I don't think Wales would be able to live with them. And also you yeah. look at, is it those, but there's plays in like key positions for the Lions as well, which as I said, we'll talk about in more detail later. But you look at the second rows, which is really one of the most competitive positions. You say that Itoje Ryan nailed on, so you got two more. I think that Joe Launchbury would have had one of them if he hadn't picked up the injury from the autumns, but that's gone. Obviously, yeah. you, then you're looking at Alan Wynne Jones um, as the sort of legend. Is he still playing his way into it? You've got Johnny Gray looking there. You've got Scott Cummings, you know, sort of putting his yeah. hat in the ring, and then and obviously um, Alan Wynne himself, kind of looking at that wanting to really prove himself for it and I think they've got that Scotland pack have a massive opportunity here to consolidate that yeah and it's it's I think one of the really interesting battles in that game just I know we're trying to speed through but I think it's it's a battle of the potential seven as well for the Lions you've got Tipperick versus Watson who for me would be the two two best sevens in the tournament so far uh, playing against each other should be really 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 interesting at the breakdown to watch that Uh, and then finally 
God, really? Ireland, France, and Dublin? Uh, I, just, I just, I mean, I think, uh, I think with 15 men, we still, we still get beaten. Yeah. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're playing, they're playing brilliantly. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, look, we're a funny team. Um, I think having, we saw, you saw the difference that Tyke Furlong made, that, that, that Kilcoyne made. Furlong, Furlong probably starts, Ryan does 80 minutes, maybe we can hold them to not run away with it. But I don't yeah. think realistically, I don't think we're going to win the no. game. I think that. And, 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 no, and also, realistically, are. you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm being obviously very, very jovial. <laughs> I, think that, I think that Ireland, you know, with the, God, you, you've got a, a, an elite international team there who I think that haven't yeah. played to the potential that they're capable yeah. of over those, yeah. certainly since Farrell's come in. Um, I'm still, I'm so undecided on what I think of Ireland under Farrell so far. I think I said it might be. Well, this, this is the frustrating thing about the, about, the, yeah. about the sending off was we needed to see some improvement from the Automations yeah. Cup. And, it's and, and, and the first game we had 14 men, the second game is against the form team in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, you don't win, you can't win the Six Nations by losing your opening two games. It's 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 practically impossible. Um, so we may be we may be duck egg after duck egg, but hey, it's it, it's what it is. And I think that they are the I think France are they're on course now to to do what I think we both we we all possibly thought yeah. they might do. With, I definitely I might predicted. Make it. I have it in writing. Twenty fifth of January, two thousand and twenty one. <laughs> France will win the Six Nations. Yeah. I really hope that it, uh, yeah. it comes off. I also, put, I also said that Scotland would be the wild card third place pick, which is looking like a pretty good guess right now. Yeah, I think it's incredible anyway. just how close your predictions have got to now, Charlie. Um, I think, you know, before Saturday happened, you know, I, I'd say that England would definitely have it in the bag. But yeah. I was really surprised by the way that France performed in that first session and kind of listening to that point and, you know, thinking about the points you raised in your blog, I was thinking, hold on. So I do think that oh. France are giving England a run for the money, and all of a sudden, I, I kind of feel myself like one foot in the boat of France, then one foot in the boat of England. You get what I mean? I'm just, I'm yeah. just teetering in the big, middle. It's, I could go either side at this point. Some big games to come, and we're all here for it. <laughs> Absolutely, great, Excellent. fantastic. Okay, so we talked about the matches that are going to happen this weekend. Time will tell, and of course, we'll be back um, to give you our thoughts um, on how the games performed and whether uh, both Charlie's and Nathan's predictions are going to continue to kind of be. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, looking at the clock, we've we've spoken uh, for long enough, I think. So let's blow the whistle for today's episode. I want to say a massive thank you to my co-hosts, Nathan and Charlie. had a fantastic time, mate. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Um, It was a wonderful debut episode to make, and I'm just really buzzing to get into it, all the possibilities that we've got. I mean, as 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 a now as a now rugby podcast veteran, I thought you did quite well on your debut, Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> round of applause. Yeah. Round of applause. I'll be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be waiting for the uh, I'll be waiting for the notes afterwards. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My my whole extra hour and a half of chat. Yeah, I've got. Yeah, yeah those extra ninety minutes that I got last week have really. Uh, they really. I've really grown as as a, as a, as, a, as a thinker and as a. Yeah. And as a I'll tell you what, though, no, it was, it was, it was a cracking session, guys. As for our listeners, I'd like to say a massive thank you for checking us out. If you'd like to know what the Vulcans have been up to, make sure you're following us on our socials. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chef Vulcans. We also have an Instagram and Twitter exclusively for the pod. You can find that at Chef Vulcans Pod. We've made it through our second episode, so all that's left to say now is goodbye. Yes, cheerio, bye. See you later, guys.